Thanks for listening to Connection Church's podcast. Today's message is part of our series, Next. We learn in this series that each one of us has a next step, whether that's baptism, joining a small group, or even being consistent in reading God's Word. Whatever your next step is, our prayer is that it will be revealed to you in today's message. Good morning. How's everybody? You guys good? All right. I'm excited about this morning. Cannot wait uh, to see what all God does. I pray he's already been moving in your heart as we sing these songs and and as we worship him, as we continue to worship him through um, the hearing of his word. I pray that he'll move mightily in uh, in you so that he can move mightily through you, um, glorifying who he is. So we're glad you're here. First time, second time, 100th time, whatever. We're glad you're here and you chose to worship with us. Just believing that God's going to do some amazing things as we kick off this new series next. Um, It's all about our next steps of faith. What is God leading us to do? Um, Not just individually, not just you individually, but us as a church as well. Um, and, and as we'll see, we, we have a next step to take. And, and this is building to a huge next step we're taking as a church on November 18th. Um, I know it's the Sunday before Thanksgiving, or at least I think it is. You still want to be here. Like, cancel. The turkey can wait. You still want to be here for this. It's going to be awesome. We're going to have an awesome day. And just, just praying um, that through this series, we'll be challenged and encouraged um, by God to take our next steps of faith. And we're going to talk a lot about that today. You can turn to Exodus chapter 3, if you will. Um, we're going to begin there. We're going to read verses 1 through 15, and we'll talk about that, uh, being that text for most of the day. Um, and, and just really excited about what God, I believe, has in store for us. Uh, one thing that I've seen this week, and, and it's funny, as a church, you go through seasons where there are times where things roll pretty smoothly, and then it's time, there's times when it literally seems as if all hell breaks loose, and and, 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 and things begin to go awry, not with the organization of the church or the church itself, but just with the people, the people who make up the church, the body of Christ. And, and uh, boy, this week, it has been one of those weeks where it just seems like um, person after person has had thing um, going on, something going on in their life, whether it's a sickness, whether um, even death, whether it was um, just marriage problems, whatever it might be. But here's the thing, and here's the good news, and here's, here's the awesome thing about Jesus, and here's um, the reality. We just sang this in a song that um, our God is greater, right? And if nothing else today, we can take comfort, we can take courage um, in the fact that our God is greater than anything we face. And today, it's what I really want to do. My, my heart every Sunday, and, and especially today, is simply to exalt the Lord, to, to magnify the Lord, because I realize this, if we can get just a little glimpse of His glory, it's life-changing. Amen? That's right. Y'all celebrated Georgia's victory last night. Way too hard. And the Georgia Southern three-overtime victory. Amen. Amen. Let's go home. The good news, all right? All right. We're going to be in Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 through 15. Let's read that. We're going to pray, and we're going to dive in and see what this teaches us about our next steps. Exodus 3, 1, it says, Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the desert and came to Oreb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I'll go over and see this strange sight while the bush did not burn up. Can we, let's stop right there. That is not what Moses said. You know that is not what Moses said when he saw a bush that did not burn up. 
oh, I will go over and see this strange sight. What he said was, dang, what the, you know, and then he went over and checked it out. And Moses said, and that when the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from the, within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of the slave drivers, and I'm concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians. And to bring them up out of the land into a good and spacious land. A land flowing with milk and honey. The home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me. And I've seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites up out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you and this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. God's got a sense of humor, right? He's like, here's the deal. This is how you'll know that I'm with you. After it's all over, you'll worship me. Like, give that before. You know what I'm saying? Verse 13, Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they asked me, what is his name? Then what shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac. And the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. The name by which I am to be remembered from generation to generation. Let's pray. Lord, today as, as, as we sit here, Father, I, I, I pray that your Holy Spirit would move in a powerful way. And that we would simply catch a glimpse of your glory, your majesty. God, we'll never wrap our mind around you. God, I pray that today we would just have ears to hear and eyes to see just a portion of your glory. Lord, speak to our hearts, change our lives, make us alert to your word. May it prick our hearts by digging deep into the core of who we are and change us forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. How many of you have ever known like you needed to take a next step, but it was hard to take it, whether it was in church, whether it was in, uh, your, in, in faith, whether it was just in life, right? Sometimes next steps are hard to take. For instance, the other night I went out in the dark. I was walking to my truck. I was, I was walking to my trucks. If you've been here very long, you know I hate snakes. The only good snake is a dead snake. If you like snakes, you are weird. I, that's just the bottom line. It's just the truth. And, and here's the thing. Where I'm walking in my truck, all of a sudden in the pine straw and the leaves, I hear something rustling. <sighs> Freeze. I'm like, oh my gosh, I know it is a five foot long rattlesnake. It's about to take my leg off. And I'm standing there and I can barely see there's a little bit of light. My eyes haven't focused. I, focused. I just walked outside. How many of you know the next step was a hard step to take? 
Then I finally made it out. It was a frog about that big. But I was freaking, right? The next step was hard to take. Sometimes just natural things make our next step hard to take. Some of you have experienced this even in church where you knew like the message was preached. You heard the word of God. The Holy Spirit moved in your heart and you knew that you were supposed to respond. And I know this because some of you have told me this, that it was like when you were sitting there, the opportunity to to respond to the message was given. And you said it was as if my butt was sewn to the seat. Everything within me said, stand up. Everything within me said, go forward. And I just couldn't take that next step of faith. It's hard to take the next step of faith a lot of times. I remember the first time that, that the Lord put it on my heart just to raise my hands and worship, right? Some of you are having this battle now. You come in and you're like, I really want to surrender and lift my hands. And so you go through this evolutionary process. It starts out just kind of like this. <laughs> Moves to here. Moves to here. And then finally it'll extend. It's really about a four-part process. And and I had the same thing. I remember standing in a worship service one time and and the Lord was just telling me, lift your hands and worship. Swallow your pride. Let your pride go. Lift up your hands to me and, and just worship me. Don't worry about what anybody else is thinking. And here's the deal, guys. I was on the back wall of a building during a worship service. Nobody was even looking. I felt like everybody was looking at me. That's how some of you feel when you're responding to an invitation or to the message or to what God tells you. You feel like everybody's looking at you. And I remember standing there and I mean, literally sweating in this wrestling match with God going, I want to lift my hands. I don't want to lift my hands. Everybody's looking at me. And then I'd crack one eye open and nobody's looking at me, but it was still so hard just to raise my hands. And finally I raised my hands and it was an absolutely freeing thing. And you know, from there on, after I took that first step, other steps in worship became easier. And some of you have experienced this same thing that once you took your first step following God, it became much easier to take your next step, didn't it? It does. One, because we learn the character of God, we begin to see him. But next steps, man, sometimes they are very, very, very hard to take. And so this whole series is about us taking those next steps. It's about us being encouraged, one, to seek God and find it, but two, to take it. We see in Exodus chapter three that Moses is given a next step. In verse 10, this is what it says. It says, God speaks to Moses and says, so now go, I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Moses is very clearly given a next step that he's to take. Go, Moses, to Pharaoh. Go. I'm going to use you to deliver my people. A next step that he's supposed to take. And today I want to give you three things about next step. We're going to go through the first two really quickly, and then we're going to spend a little bit of time on the third one, because I believe that is, that the third one is, I believe, the heart of this passage of Scripture. And it's the thing that if we can really grab hold of it, we'll be able to take our steps in confidence and in trust in the Lord. So the first thing I want you to understand today about next steps of faith, simply faith and faith, steps of faith in our journey with God. The first thing we need to understand is that we all have one. We all have one. It's just that simple. Every person sitting in this room today, you have a next step. There is a next step of faith that you are called to take, period. Moses was not the exception all throughout scripture. God clearly tells us that we all have a next step to take. When Jesus calls his first disciples, what did he tell them? Follow me. 
He told them to follow him. What do you have to do to follow somebody? Not on Twitter. But in life, you follow. And just like you can't take a physical journey without actually moving, without actually taking steps, without getting in a car and going somewhere, you can't take a spiritual journey with God if we're not willing to take our next steps of faith. That's what God calls us to do. We all have a next step of faith. We're on a journey with the Lord and we're on a journey together. And God has called us to continue to move. Some of you have grown bored in your faith and in your relationship with Jesus. And this is the thing I can tell you. It's not because Jesus is boring. It's a relationship with the God of the universe. There's always something new. God's not boring. The problem is for many of us, we grow stale in taking our next step and we become stagnant and we become stagnant. We become bored and our relationship with God begins to lose its vitality and our relationship with God begins to lose its relevance to us. God's calling all of us to take a next step. The second one we see in the life of Moses is that it was revealed by God. His next step was revealed by God. It wasn't something that Moses dreamed up. It was something that God spoke to his heart. As you look at those verses in in Exodus 3, 1 through 15, the one thing we see is it is an encounter with God and Moses. God is speaking it to Moses' heart. Moses' only option is that I'm obedient to God's word or I'm disobedient. I say yes, or I say that. That was all he could do. It wasn't something that he just dreamed up. He didn't drink too much Mountain Dew one night and have a crazy dream, right? He didn't get wasted and then wake up the next morning and go, I think I'll go rescue the people from Israel. It wasn't what happened. God spoke to his heart. And here's the reality in our lives. We all have a next step to take, but in many cases, I can't tell you that next step. I have a lot of people who will come to me and say, What do you think I need to do next? There's some things that are clearly spelled out in scripture. I mean, there's some things that we can look at and go, this is obviously your next step. For instance, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus and your sins have never been atoned for through the sacrifice of Christ because you never put your faith in him, but you know that God is drawing you by his spirit and your eyes have been opened to the reality that his word is true and Jesus is who he says he is, and you know that God is drawing you to himself, then your next step is to simply trust Christ. By faith, you take on the righteousness that only he could live out. That's your next step, period. Listen, if you're a Christian and you know there's sin in your life, you know that there's something that's not right, literally your life is going in the wrong direction, your next step is obviously to turn and repent, to turn from death-giving um, sin and to turn to the life-giving God. It's obviously your next step. If you're a Christian and you're not reading the Word or you're reading the Word only to accomplish your task list or to keep up with your daily reading so you can read through the Bible in a year and you're not going to the Word in order to hear the voice of the Lord, in order for your will to be conformed to His will, then your next step is, guess what? Start reading the Bible to encounter the God who created you so that you know who you are, you know who He is, and He begins to shape you in His image. If you're a Christian and you're not praying, not just praying to go down a list of things, cross my fingers, hope to die, I stick a little in my eye. Maybe these things won't happen. Maybe only good things will come my way. But praying to, to, to find the Lord, the God of the universe, who 
who shaped you, who molded you, and to say, God, what's your will? I don't, I don't need my will. I know where my will takes me. I know where my heart will take me. What I need to know is what you want because I believe that's what's best. And so we go to God and we pray. If you're not praying that way, if you're not talking to God, and if you're not listening to God, your next step is to start praying and talking to God and listening to his voice. For some of you, you're not in any kind of really tight-knit Christian community. You're not in a small group. You're not in a connect group. Your next step, scripturally, is to get in a group and do life with people because you were not created to do life alone. Some of you walk in here Sunday after Sunday, church is still about you. It's a selfish motivation. I go to church because of me. I don't go to worship God. I don't go to, to serve others. Listen, the way we combat selfishness is we serve. It's a biblical principle. Maybe we need to begin to pray and ask God to change our heart, that we'd have a heart to serve others, not just in this building, but outside these walls so that the glory of God becomes known to other people. Your next step would be to serve. That's what God specifically tells us. But here's the reality. Most of the time, your next step is revealed when you're seeking God, you're on a journey with God, and God goes, I think we'll go here now. You need to take this step. And you go, okay. If it was only that easy. But we find our next step when we listen to God, when we read his word, when we seek his heart, when we look for his will. God begins to speak to us. My question is, for you today is what's your next step have you taken the time to be with god so that he can speak to your heart and tell you what your next step is is it reconciling a relationship what is it is it to start giving to the kingdom to get your finances in order so that you're no longer being robbed of joy and life by materialism that you begin to honor god through giving to his bride the church What's God calling you to do? Listen, what do you find that is you follow him, you seek him, and God speaks to your heart about what it is that you're called to do, your next step of faith. Number three, and this is where really the rubber meets the road. Number three, we won't take our next step of faith without a revelation of God. We won't take our next step of faith without a revelation of God. We can't. Listen, if your next step doesn't challenge you beyond what you're comfortable with, odds are it's probably not God. And until we have a revelation of who God is, we'll never be able to take that next step it is impossible because until we can trust in God we can't take a step of faith that puts us in a place that only God can show up here's the reality about this and we read this is how we read the Bible we read the Bible and we see these people in the Bible like Moses and we look at it and we say well it was probably easy for them I mean my goodness he showed up in a burning bush and the bush was burning but it wasn't consumed and so he just showed up and if a bush spoke to me I'd do it no you wouldn't you wouldn't not, because here's the deal. If you look at your life, God has already shown himself real in many places. All right. I mean, look around. I was reminded of it again this morning. I'm sitting in my office, um, finishing up some stuff, getting finished up for this morning, about to head back over to the high school. The sun comes up, the light comes through my window and I turn around and you know what? There it was again, the sunshine, right? How many days has that been happening? 
Like it was never a morning we woke up and the sun didn't come up. That is testimony to the faithfulness of God. And the reality of it is we see him all around us. We don't need a burning bush. God is obvious. He has made himself obvious. His power is obvious. Look around you at the creativity of God. There's not one person in here who was created the same. God intentionally made everybody. That's mind boggling. With all your quirks and everything else, right? He made us all. And we begin to realize this is the God that's calling us to take a next step. Moses had questions, just like you have questions. And some of you are being called to take these steps of faith or to do these different things. Some of it's just simply to become regular with your uh, church attendance for the right reason, to worship him. Some of them are very simple, but you have questions. Moses had questions. He wasn't perfect. We'll see that more in just a second. He was not perfect. He was a person just like you and I, and yet God called him to take next steps. God called him to move forward in his faith. Some of us have some of the same questions he has. Can I do it? You're facing things in your life right now and you feel like the Lord is leading you to do something. You go, can I do it? So for some of you, it's your marriage. For some of you, it's your children. For some of you, it's your job. For some of you, it's, it's, it's serving um, in the kingdom. Listen, there's, there's tons of things out there that you're facing that you're wondering. For some of you, it's a crisis that happened in your life uh, recently and you're wondering, can I do it? Can I get through this? Can I continue to take one step after the next pursuing God? We all have similar questions. Can I do it? I wake up every morning and say, can I really pastor this church? really God me but I think the thing that Moses realized is listen it doesn't matter about my insufficiencies because I have a God who's all sufficient and the places that I'm weak he'll be strong and Moses began to move some of us ask the question who who am I and maybe I know that I am but who am I who am I to do anything for the Lord? Doesn't my past disqualify me? Doesn't, doesn't, it, doesn't it affect me or take me out of ministry? And I would say this, is, is God's grace really that shallow? That it can't cover your past? That it can't cover your sin? That it can't cover your struggles? I would say emphatically no. That God's grace is sufficient. And when you come to a relationship with Christ, the Bible says you become a new creation. It's gone. You're qualified not because of who you are, but because of who he is. Not because of what you will do or what you have done, but because of what he has already done on the cross. Moses was 80 years old when this story took place. 80 years old. He's tending sheep. Being a shepherd was not exactly a highly esteemed position. He was 80. He didn't even have his own flock. He was tending his father-in-law's sheep. No wonder Moses said, who am I to go? Right? 80 years old. Moses had already experienced failure. If you drop back a chapter and you read verses 11 through 15, you see where Moses takes it on himself to try to deliver an Israelite from an Egyptian. He goes over, kills the Egyptian, and thinks that the people will see it as him coming to deliver them from Egypt. And listen, the reality of it is, they saw it and they said, you're a murderer. And Moses had to flee from his own people. That's how he ends up in Midian. Let's say this, God calls very unlikely people to be great warriors for his kingdom. The question is, are we willing to step up and step, take the step of faith that God's leading us to do? I would 
have to say that this, this step of faith was pretty daunting for Moses, wouldn't you? I mean, it'd be one thing if he was like, hey, go down to the store on the corner and talk to the guy down there and tell him like, you've come to set the people free. I mean, that's one thing. But he goes to Pharaoh. Pharaoh is the most powerful person in the known world. He had the power to snap his fingers and say, kill this guy. And yet Moses is called to go stand before him. He's got, listen, he's called to go stand before a man and tell him to let the people go so they can go and worship the true God. And this man thought he was a God. See a little conflict there? He's like, let us go so we can worship the true God, but I am God. No, 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 no you don't understand. You're, you're, you're a poor excuse for a God. You suck as God. Let us go so we can worship the real God. And Moses says, okay. Okay. You question Moses' insanity a little bit. First he saw a burning bush that didn't burn up. Then he says yes to this assignment, right? But God's doing incredible things in his life and he's calling him to take his next step. But here's the reality. Let's read verses 12 through um, 15 one more time. It says, and God said to him after Moses asked the question, and it's important for us to see that Moses had questions. God had an answer, right? Moses had many questions. God has an answer for him. And God said, I will be with you. And this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. And Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they asked me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. The name by which I am to be remembered from generation to generation. If you notice real closely before he tells him, this is my name. He gives him an idea about his being. See, here's the problem for many of us. Many of us can't take our next step because we know about God. We don't know God. We know his name, we don't know him. Is it not interesting that before God says, tell them that I am the Lord, I'm Yahweh. Before he tells them that, he says, listen, I want you to go and I want you to tell them I am who I am. And this, this, this passage, I'll be real honest with you, it has just boggled my mind for years. It's boggled my mind for years because I've I, I thought about it, I'm like, what is he saying? I am who I am. And I was praying about it and I was studying. And listen, I listened to the, the, the big guys, right? The guys who know their stuff. And I listened to them. And the more I listened and the more I read and the more I prayed, this theologically complex scripture that so much ink and so many messages have been put to suddenly became very simple. God has to speak to me in simple ways because I, I'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer, Right? And it came, became very simple. And, and as I read it now, I see it totally different because he says, I am who I am. What's he trying to say? I am. Amen. Let's go home. Everybody have a good day. Praise God. Anybody want to receive Christ? Come forth. He just says, I am. And here's the crux of this 
this scripture and this message and, and our ability to take our next step is the fact that, listen, 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 God exists, that he is. And I know that seems oversimplified and I'll complicate it for you in just a second. But the heart of it is that he simply is, that he exists. Is that not an awesome thought to know that in the middle of what you're going through, in the middle of what you're facing, in the middle of having to take a next step, you come to the reality that God is, that he does exist. And that's one really large piece of the puzzle that he is God. And he's telling Moses, listen, I am I exist. I simply am. And then I believe we can look at that and we can even look at the story up to this point and we can begin to understand a few things about God and about his existence and about how he exists. Because it's one thing to understand that God exists, but isn't it something totally different if God is some tyrant who's only looking at us to to come up and slap us upside the head, to smack us in the mouth because we did something wrong, not to lift us up, but to keep his foot on our head so he can constantly keep us down. Doesn't it matter how he exists? It's great news that he exists, but, but in what form, in what shape, how does he exist? How do we know? And the first thing I really want you to understand about God's existence is the fact that, number one, God is beneath all things. He exists beneath all things. Listen to this in Exodus 3, 6. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look. God is literally saying, listen, I'm this God that has been working out this plan for for way before you existed. Now, I would say the same thing to you. The God that exists today is the God that's been working out a plan long before you existed. And he has a good and righteous and holy and just plan that he's worked out. And he worked it out through Christ. And now he's working it out until the culmination of all things when Jesus returns and we're taken up with him. What an awesome thought that that same God is working all of this out. And when we look at this statement that God exists beneath all things, that seems kind of troubling because God's not beneath, right? But he is when you look at scripture because the scripture says that he's the foundation, right? He is the foundation, that Jesus, God, is the foundation of all things. So he literally exists beneath all things, that all things rest on him. The Bible calls Jesus the cornerstone. The cornerstone was the first piece of a foundation that was laid. It had to be perfectly level. It had to be perfectly square because that cornerstone gave everything else its character and its meaning and it gave it its strength and it would only stand if the cornerstone was right. It would only have integrity if the cornerstone was right. The Bible refers to Jesus as the cornerstone. Why? Because he's the only true foundation. There are people in here today whose lives are jacked up and screwed up and the reason for it is not your parents it's not anybody else it's the fact that you've built your life on the wrong foundation and we all have a tendency to want to drift back 
to this place of building on the wrong foundation. Here's the awesome thing about Jesus is it's never too late to allow Jesus to begin to build us, to shape us, to mold us, to give us new life and to build us on a sound foundation. The first way that God exists is that he's beneath all things. Some of you walked in here today with the weight of the world on your shoulders. But if I read the Bible, it says the weight of the world is on his shoulders. Isn't it awesome to know that we can take our next step knowing that God is the foundation? Not you, not me. This was an awesome, comforting thought as I'm standing backstage, as usual, about to throw up before I come speak to you. And I thought to myself, this isn't my weight. This is God. Because the reality of the day is no matter how bad I do, how good I do, if God doesn't move in your heart, it doesn't matter. He exists beneath all things. Take your next step understanding that you are on an unshakable foundation with God. The second thing, he is above all things. He not only exists, but he exists in an exalted state above all things. Exodus 3, 5, he says, do not come any closer. God said, take off your sandals for the place where you're standing is holy ground. God is so holy we can't comprehend it one reason we don't appreciate the sacrifice of jesus more than than we do and one reason it becomes stale and we quit taking our next steps and we quit following him with everything that we have is simply because we lose sight of how perfect and holy god is and how sinful and pitiful we are and that jesus bridged that gap see the awesome thing about jesus is when we realize how sinful we are and how holy we are we don't fall into condemnation we go into worship because we realize that jesus bridged that gap And and God exists above all things. He's due our worship, not just a few songs on Sunday morning, but our lives, that we offer our lives as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to the Lord, that every day of every, every second of every day, our lives are lived in worship to him, devotion to Jesus. Listen, we can try all we want to in life, but life's not gonna make sense until he becomes the only exalted thing in our life. Not our job, not our, not our family. Listen, you get your relationship with Jesus right and your family life is gonna be, get better. I can promise you that. I've never seen two people pursuing Jesus get a divorce. In almost a decade of ministry, I've never seen two people pursuing Jesus get a divorce. Because when you pursue him, you don't live for you. You live for God. God changes your heart and you begin to serve your spouse rather than expecting your spouse to serve you. It changes things. And the reality for us is that he is above all things. Our lives, not just in music or acts of worship that we think of as worship, but every day of our lives is worship to God. Number three, he's the sustainer of all things. He's a sustainer. He exists as the sustainer of all things. This is really, really awesome because not only does he sustain everything that's ever been created, the universe, the stars, not only does he keep the sun spinning, not only are the earth spinning around the sun, not only, make sure I get my astronomy right, not only does he do all of those things, but he also sustains you. So we're in Christ, we don't have to wonder, am I gonna make it? Yes, you're gonna make it, but I feel weak and I don't know if I can do it. You know how you're gonna make it? He's the sustainer. So not only is he beneath, not only is he above, 
He's everywhere in between. Isn't that pretty cool? That God sustains it all. And we realize that nothing has been made apart from him. Nothing is in motion that he didn't set in motion, that he is the one who sustains. And when you think about that infinite amount of energy and power that's working in you as a Christian, it ought to, it ought to jack you up to know that that God is working in you. The sustainer of all things. He exists as the sustainer. Number four, he's the creator of all things. He's the creator of all things. And here's the cool thing about God. Not only is he the sustainer, he is the creator. And the awesome thing, though he created it and because he created it, he's not contained within it, right? Like, like he's not bound by creation. Creation doesn't tell God what to do. God tells creation what to do. Sometimes we try to reverse that. It doesn't work. God tells creation what to do. If you can think about Moses and put yourself in Moses' shoes for a little while, and you think about the fact that that he's about to face Pharaoh, the most powerful person in the world, and he's about to go this route where he's facing this man who could snap his fingers and kill him, would it not be a comforting thought that he's about to take this next step of faith, that he's about to move forward, that he recognizes God as the one who is beyond creation, the one who is involved in creation, intimately acquainted with creation, but is not bound by creation, that has power over Pharaoh, that caused Pharaoh to fall on his knees, Cause Pharaoh to, to let the people go? How comforting is that for us as we begin to take our next step to realize that God as the creator of all things isn't bound by those things and his ability is that he can move the obstacles out of our way that we face when we start to take a next step. That God literally has the ability to move the mountains in our lives that seem like they're going to hinder us. Because he's a creator. He created it all. He's not bound by it. Number, four, number five. This is probably my favorite one. That he's unchanging. That he never changes. He exists and he simply exists. Period. That he is present and he's simply present. Period. He never sleeps. He never slumbers. He never grows weary. He is unchanging. He is constant. And here's the reason. He's not developing into something. He's not becoming something else. Because you can't perfect perfection. You can't make God better. He just is what he is. He is a good and loving God who is also holy and righteous and just. And so in that, he gives a way for him to love us and not kill us, his son. And the Bible says that Jesus the same yesterday today and forever god is unchanging and here's the thing guys we can try to find security in our life we can try to find security in all kinds of things we can find it try to find it in money we can try to find it in other people we can try to find it listen we can even try to find it in prayer as we try to manipulate god to do what we want him to do but the only real security that we have is in the fact that god exists in his nature and in his character, and it is unchanging. That is why we can trust that God has our best in mind. 
because he stated it and he's not going to wake up tomorrow and change his mind. Don't you think if he was going to change his mind, he'd have done it a long time ago, killed us all and started over? Yes, but he's unchanging. He doesn't change. This is the source of our security. Oh my gosh, if we could wake up with a revelation of that every morning, knowing that when I walk out the door, when I get in my car, when I go to work, when I go to school, whatever I'm doing, that God is unchanging, that he is with me, that he is simply present, that he, 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 he's just omnipresent. He's just everywhere. Like you go around the corner, he's there. You go down the road, he's there. He's everywhere. He's, he's beneath, he's above, he's in between. He's sustaining everything. He's just present, that he's also omnipotent, that he has all power, that no obstacle can stop him from, from using you to do what he calls you to do. It's the reason that Jesus was able to say, listen, I'm gonna birth my church and the gates of Hades, hell and death will not come against it because he's omnipotent. He can do all those things and he's omniscient. And this is the one that ought to freak us out because God knows everything. Even what you did last night. Wow, right? What you did last week, what you did last month, what you did last year. You did 10 years ago. He knows what you're going to do. He's omniscient. He knows it all. He exists and knows everything. And he still says this, come to me. Yeah, I know, I know that, that, that you, you really can't do anything. I, I, I get that. I get that you struggle. I get that you've stumbled. I get, I get that you've fallen. I get that you're not worthy. Come here. Come to me. I want to be your God. The perfect calls the imperfect to come to him and we come to him through Christ. What an awesome thing that God knows all and he still desires a relationship with us. Isn't that awesome? Glad y'all are excited about that. that. It's so cool to think that even with all my failures and my mess-ups and my screw-ups and the things that I've done wrong, even with all the things that I'm going to stumble with in the future, God, through Christ, has called me to himself. And he's unchanging. Who he was yesterday is who he'll be tomorrow. I can put my trust in that. I can know him, be in a relationship with him. This God who sends ordinary people to do extraordinary things. That God goes with you, an unchanging God, the God who created all things and not, is not bound by creation, the God who's the sustainer of all things, the God who's above all things, the God who's beneath all things. He just is. He exists. And if you're in Christ, he exists in you. That should give us confidence to take our next step. But my prayer is that the Holy Spirit would speak that to your heart because I, I can say it all day long, but until we have ears to hear and eyes to see, it doesn't make a difference. But my prayer is that you'll begin to see God in this way. To know him as the all-powerful, almighty I am. The last thing I want to tell you, John chapter 8. I want us to jump forward a few thousand years. Because I want you to understand clearly how this applies to your relationship with Jesus. John 8, verse 48. Jesus, he, he gave the Pharisees ulcers. You know what I'm saying? 
Like they were popping toms, they were taking Pepto-Bismol because Jesus, the Pharisees, the religious leaders of that day, like Jesus just, just did things that just, just irritated them because they were so religious, they couldn't understand the ways of God. And so we come into this scripture and, and they're having a conversation and the Jews are accusing Jesus of some things as, as many times they did. And it says in verse 48, the Jews answered him, are we right in saying that you are a Samaritan and demon possessed? I'm not possessed by a demon, said Jesus, but I honor my father and you dishonor me. I'm not seeking glory for myself, but there is one who seeks it and he is the judge. I tell you the truth, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. At this, the Jews exclaimed, now we know that you are demon possessed. Abraham died and so did the prophets. Yet you say that if anyone keeps your word, he will never taste death. Are you greater than our father, Abraham? He died and so did the prophets. Who do you think you are? Jesus replied, if I glorify myself, my glory means nothing. My father, whom you claim as your God, is the one who glorifies me. Though you do not know him, I know him. If I said I did not, I would be a liar like you. Like Jesus didn't pull punches, man. He's right to the heart. I'd be a liar like you. But I do not know him. But I, I do know him and keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. He saw it and was glad. You are not yet 50 years old, the Jews said to him, and you have seen Abraham? I tell you the truth, Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, I am. At this, they picked up stones to stone him, but Jesus hid himself, slipping away from the temple grounds. We can read over that and we can gloss over that, but when Jesus made that statement in John 8, 58, and he says, I'm telling you, I am. They freaked why because Jesus is saying I am the God your father Abraham of Isaac of Jacob I'm the one who has existed exists and will exist forever that is who I am Jesus took that title placed it on himself and today as we come to Christ we don't just come to a prophet in the line with many prophets we come to the prophet the God of the universe who gave his life so that you and I could be reconciled with God he's the one who's the foundation for all life he's the one who's the creator of all life he's the one that deserves to be exalted and it says when we exalt him He'll draw people to himself. Why? Because they begin to see his magnificence. They begin to see his glory. And we can't help but come near. He's the one that's unchanging. That's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's the one that the Bible says that through him all things were created. And nothing was created without him. He's the one that the Bible says holds everything together, including your life my question today is is he not worthy of all of our devotion and all of our praise for what he has done for us yes because that that is our god he exists and listen i know i know this only scratches the surface I want you to see that he is the foundation. He is above. He is in between. He's the creator and he's the unchanging sustainer. If we can grab hold of that, if the spirit of God can make that alive in our hearts, it changes everything.
changes everything. Because how can we not worship a God like that?